today we have uh, several options for people that want to tune in. We have our Facebook page. On our Facebook page, there will also be a link to a YouTube channel, which you can hear. And then there will be a podcast also. We have set up this week also for those of you that would continue to give and don't are not able to make it to the church. On our Facebook page, there is a tithe.ly. You can go to that and be able to give your offerings and your tithes through that. You can drop them off here at the church. We have a mail slot at the back at the office doors that you can drop them your offering and tithes through. And you can actually mail them in if you want to. So... Uh, And I heard a lot of criticisms of churches this week that were adding those services onto and and letting it be known. And again, a lot of our churches are a light to the community and provide services that your tithes and offerings help provide. Our food banks, our, our rooms that we offer to different people, the things that we have available come from your tithes and your offerings. So we want to thank you for being faithful in giving and faithful during this time. If you have your Bibles, you'll turn with us to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 12 through 15. Normally we've been having one of our teens come up and, and read the scripture for us. Today we're just going to read it on our own. Some of you that know me. That might be difficult for you to listen to. It's for me to read. But we will do it on our own today. And I don't know how this is going to work out because our audio-visual man here, Mr. Chris, has limited me to a certain amount of space that I can go from side to side. So I... I got an amen for that. I hadn't even started the sermon, but I got an amen. So I, I will have to be very cautious of how far I can roam from one side to the other. So uh, for me, as we do that. So hey, I've got my sound, uh, music guy going. First Samuel 17, verses 12 through 15. If you're there, say amen. Now David was the son of the Ephrathite of Bethlehem of Judea named Jesse. Jesse had eight sons and during Saul's reign was already an old man. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. And their names were Elam, the firstborn, Abinah, the next, and Shammah, the third. And David was the youngest The three oldest had followed Saul. Verse number 15, But David kept going back and forth from Saul to tend to his father's flock in Bethlehem. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your, your word. We thank you for the truth that your word gives us, the truth that we... Father, for the ability to dig deeper into your word and have it clarified to us the faith that you promised us and given us. And Father, by studying.
Father, the thing that we need to have in our hearts and our lives, and that is your Son and as our Savior. But Father, as we dig into your Word, we see that there are meanings, Father, that we oftentimes forget, skim over, and don't try to find the depth of them. So Lord, as we go through this chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, and we see things that are a little deeper than what we've often thought of, and our rush and our hurry to get to the fight between David and Goliath, we have missed so much of your blessings and your promises and your word for our lives. Father, not only the life of those that were there on each side of that valley, but Lord, for our lives as we are facing the valleys that we're facing today. So Lord, as we go through your word, open our hearts to hear. Open our minds eye to see. And Father, to understand the words that you've written in your book for us. Lord, we thank you for those that are doing church differently today. In a different place, in a different way, in a different time. Lord, we thank you for each one being diligent. And Lord, we ask this morning that we are the ones that proclaim the good news. The gospel. And Lord, that today that you would be honored and glorified. So Lord, we praise you today. We honor you. And Lord, we just lift up your name. And Father, it's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen. We've seen in the last few weeks a different number of words that have meant so much more once we start to read them. And once we begin to figure out what exactly those words are. We find that if we start in the very first verse that we find there is strength and protection that there is a wall, that there is a blood boundary. These names that were given for cities and locations and times and places were exactly there to give us an assurance of what God had in store for us. We find that there is a valley that is known as as this, we seem to have thought, this great big huge ravine. But when we look at it, through the words of the scripture and we dig into it, we find it was a, just a long, shallow valley. And that there was a mighty tree that grew there that shadowed out. People would seek refuge in it and they would seek shelter in it and there would be things that would be there for them. And maybe one of the most surprising things was that after we studied and we found what the name of Goliath means, actually... We think of Goliath as being this huge monster, a behemoth, a a terrifying. But we find that it actually is the fact that Goliath means it reveals to uncover. And we saw that as he stood and he challenged the children of God, that they began to fear and were terrified. What he was uncovering was just that, their fear and their lack of courage. So today we see in verses 12 through 15 that David is the son of Jesse. 
Jesse, it says, was an old man by the time Saul began to reign and the war began to rage. But we find also that he lists the three brothers of David. And there is something special about each one of these brothers. And yes, I know that it said that Jesse had eight sons and it only lists four here. Now, were the other four inconsidered or not worried about or was there something? Well, that's not what God had Samuel write to us. Samuel had him write to us about these four children of Jesse. The three oldest and then the youngest. And there's a special meaning as to why he wrote the things out that he wrote. If we take a look here, we find that it said that the firstborn was named Elab. Now, what do we know about firstborn children in the Bible? We know that the firstborn is the one that inherits the father's property once he is deceased and gone. Or unable or unable to carry on. The firstborn gets everything that there is. I told my son one day, I said, son, you're the firstborn. You shall inherit all of my bills. And he didn't see the humor in that. My daughter thought it was a great plan because she was the secondborn. But in the Old Testament and during this time and in many cultures today, the firstborn received all of the father's property. Which means he received all of the wealth that the father had. He received all of the livestock. He received all of the possessions and belongings. But he also received all the respect that the father had amassed throughout his life. And a lot of times just the mention of the father's name would cause people to be reverent to that person and that family. Because they knew what it meant and what had been sacrificed and given up to achieve and to have all of those possessions. Elib stood to be the one to inherit this. But Jesse, being no doubt a devout man of God, and he knew what it was to be born and what it was to stand age a mighty person in a mighty battle every day, he named his firstborn Elib. Which means God is my Father. So as we look into this situation that they are, here is the firstborn of Jesse going out into battle with Saul, the king, the earthly king. Remember, the Israelites wanted a king. They they went to God. They begged and they pleaded. We want a We want a king. Everybody else has a king. Why can't we have a king? God said, you do have a king. I'm your king. But yet the children of Israel, they were begging. They wanted a king. And so they got Saul to be their king. And so now Jesse's firstborn, Elam, which means God is my father, has met with Saul to fight a battle. 
This morning, many of us in this room, many of us watching by the internet, many of us watching around and listening on the podcast, however we're listening today, many of us are going out to fight a battle. Many of us are in a battle or are in a war ourselves right now as we speak. There is uncertainties. There's there's people that are unsure about what's happening next. There are so much resource information that is being bombarded into our lives that we're not sure whether or not we can make it through the day. And here was Elam. He would rise up every morning. And he would get dressed and he would go out and join in the forces with everyone else to be ready to fight and rage war. And as the world would shout at us, just as Goliath would stand and shout at the children of Israel, there was an obstacle that loomed large in their lives. And he would be afraid and lose courage. Because he would forget that God is his father. So today I ask you, in the battles that you're facing, whether it be financial, whether it be physical, whether it be mental, whether it be spiritual, whether it be any type of fear that you're facing, any type of discouragement, any type of of sorrow or heartache, do you know That God is your Father. Do you have that faith? The world will tell you you're not strong enough. But through God, I've been made more than a conqueror in this world. The second born was Anna, whose name means Father of willingness. There he was, the second born. He was willing to get up every morning, to rise up, to get dressed, to to go out with the others, but not to participate. He was willing to be in the crowd, to be seen and to blend in, but not take part. Not to be active in the service. Even though he was willing to be there, he was not willing to be actively on duty. This morning, too many of God's churches are being filled with people who are willingly there to be seen and to be heard and to be, and to be known, but are not willing to be participants in the battle to save people's souls from a lost and dying world and going to hell. We are willing to be there, but we're not willing to fight the good fight. We're willing to be there. The Bible speaks of that God has men that He has called, men and women that are called in a purpose to do the will that He has planned out for them. But there are hirelings that are also taking over jobs. They're placed there by family, friends, or someone in authority to give them a position and a title, but they are not willing to do the fight that is encouraged of them by God to be stand strong in the Word because they're only willing to be seen 
not to get dirty. Last night I was looking on on the Facebook. I don't know why I say that, the Facebook. I was looking at Facebook last night and a friend of mine had posted pictures of his daughter and she was out playing in the the dirt between the houses that were being built. And there she was, this little girl, just as pretty and sweet as she could be. But in the next picture, she was covered from her toes to the top of her head in mud and was laughing and enjoying it. She was willingly going out and getting dirty to have fun. Church, I want to tell you this morning, we have to willingly be willing to go out to the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. We have to be willing to go out and to act like Jesus acted, to talk to the sinners, to be with those that are are, are considered not worthy to come in. We have to be willing to go and participate in the battle and fight the good fight. Now, we're not to go out and to take on the world and look like the world and to be shaped and transformed into the world, but we are to go out and transform the world by our actions. And sometimes when we go out and become willing participants, we're going to get dirty. Our reputations are going to be sold. Again, the second-born son, as means father of willingness. Today I ask you, do you know that God is willing and able to bring you through any of life situations that you're in? Do you know that the Lord will be there beside you to guard you, to guide you, to walk with you? He is not there that you can just blend in and just be seen. But He's there that you can take a part. But He's there so you can be active. He's there so you can be willing. And He is there with you because He is not only willing, but He is able. He is able. The third born, Shana means Jehovah is there. Now here's the third born. He's there. He's like his two other brothers. He rises up every morning. He gets himself ready and he's following Saul into the battle zone. He's there. Many of God's people or many of God's churches are filled with people who are just that. We're just there. Was you at church Sunday? Yes, I was. I was there. Was the Spirit there? I don't know. We don't have that at our church. There was a young man that said he left his home and he went overseas on a furlough. Time there in the service, he found a church and he went to it just to see the building. And when he got there, they were actually conducting a service. And he said as he sat down and 
stood up behind the the podium there, large, ornate podium with all this stuff in it, very old building. And the man that was bringing the service that morning stood there in this very ornate robe. And he began to read the scripture and the young man got excited because it was the same scripture that he had heard at his church. And when the man got through reading the scripture, he said, Amen! A couple of the ushers come over and said, Shh, you need to be quiet. Be reverent. And then as the, uh, the man standing behind the podium began to give his dissertation on what the scripture meant, there were a few points that he made that the young man agreed with from a small rural church. And he began to listen and become intently involved. And the guy said that God's son had come to die for all the world. And the young man again shouted with a loud voice, Amen! The ushers again came over and said, Shh! Be quiet. We don't do that here. And then as the gentleman behind the podium began to close and he said, Today... If you would like to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you would like to accept Him into your heart, He will accept you and He will bring you into the fold and He will forgive you. And the young man could not contain himself and he stood up and again proclaimed with a loud voice, Amen, Amen, Amen. And the ushers ran over and grabbed him and said, We've got to ask you to leave because you won't be quiet. The young man said, Well, I've got religion. I can't be quiet. And the usher said, Well, that's good, but you didn't get it here. So we, as God's children, are here sometimes. But are we really here? Are we really willing and able to participate in what God is doing in hearts and lives? Do we see the joy in others when they have been forgiven of sins that the world said you cannot be forgiven of? And the song, Fear is a Liar, there's a verse in there, a line in there that says that you are the one that grace cannot forgive. And we look around sometimes when we're in church, even though we are there, we do not believe that God can forgive others that are there. They've done too much, they've sunk too low, they've went too far. But God said, I am there. Jehovah is there. Wherever you've been, Jehovah goes with you. Whatever you've done, Jehovah was there with you. This past January, when we went to the pastor's prayer summit, that was brought out very evidently to us that we, as the children of God, as we start to talk and we say, I have, it needs to be, we have. Because if God is in you, wherever you go, He goes. And so wherever we're at, Jehovah is there. If you're in the house of God and you're a child of God, Jehovah is there. 
But let me tell you something this morning. The building is not the church. You are the church. We are the church. And wherever we are at, Jehovah is there. I've had more pleasure of sharing the gospel and leading people to Christ outside the church walls than I ever have inside of them. I've heard older men in our community down south, Brother Moore and Brother Pledger, that would sit and testify and tell you of hunting trips and fishing trips and going to the seed store and going to the, the county seat and sitting at the little country grocer and sharing the gospel with a lost and dying soul and watching them accept Christ as their Lord and Savior and have done that countless times outside of the walls. This morning churches may not be meeting. Thank God maybe we're going out into the world and sharing because Jehovah is there. And that's where we need to be. Again, the church is not the building. The church is the people. And where we are, Jehovah is there also. Just because the world says you can't bring your religion with you does not mean that God can't go with you. There was three brothers. Jehovah, God, our Father. The Father of willingness and the Father of Jehovah is there. And here they were. Every morning rising up. Every morning to be counted with those that were there for the war. But not one time did they engage. Not one time did they step out and say, I'm fighting this, not on my own, but with my Lord and my Savior. And then comes along the last born son of Jesse. The littlest of them all. If he would have been born in our day and time and some of our country farms would walk out and looked at him, they'd have called him a cull or a runt. He was the littlest one. He was weak. He didn't look like a warrior. He didn't act like a warrior. He didn't dress like a warrior. But he went about doing his father's business. And we'll find that... As we go through the book of Samuel here in 17, we'll find out in a few weeks exactly what David done for the Father and how that it changes and affects our lives today. But we find that the last born son of, of Jesse, his name is David, means beloved. And in one definition it said, Beloved our uncle. And I like that because all my nieces and nephews love me more than they do the rest of their uncles. They do. I know they do. How could they not? Some of the things that we were given instructions as to do and stuff online was don't tell too many jokes because in an empty room there's no laughter. There's no laughter in a room that has people either. The littlest and the youngest of them all would become the second 
but greatest king of Israel. There come along the youngest that would do mightier things than the older ones. The one that the people would come to hold in high esteem and would be loved by all the people. Because you see, David did not come to follow Saul as his brothers had. For they had come to follow Saul into war following a man. But David come to follow, follow the father. But the Bible says in verse number 15. But David kept going back and forth from Saul to tend to his father's flock in Bethlehem. But David was not, not there to stand in the fear of the warrior. But David was there willingly to follow the Father's will for not only his life, but the life of all the family and for all of us. But David was not there on his own. No, he was there with and for and by the Jehovah God's direction. But verse 15 says, But David would go back and forth between the Father the king, God, and his people. So why would Samuel write this in his book? Why would God instruct him to write verse number 15? And again, I encourage you to read verse 15 again, but read it slowly this time. It says, but David kept going back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock. In Bethlehem. We've seen all the brothers' names listed in today's text mean something. But they all face the same challenges, the same fears, and the same adversities. And they turned toward the world for the answers, but they could not find the answers there. But David kept going to the world with the answer from the Father. David would tend the father's flock in Bethlehem. The same reason that we too need to be going back and forth from the father's flock to the or the father to Bethlehem. Remember, we have talked about the meaning of names, and we talked about Bethlehem back a couple of years ago in a sermon around Christmas time. Matter of fact, I remember after that sermon, a lady approached me and said, you're just trying to change everything we know about Christmas. Because I told them that Christmas didn't happen in December. That man placed it there. That Christmas actually happened around the end of September, 1st of October. And that the main that he was laying in was not the wooden manger that we see and replicate on our stages. But it was yet more than likely a two-part feeding and watering device that was used for the animals. And so we find that Bethlehem is two words put together in the Hebrew language. Beth, which means the house. And lamb, which means bread. And so therefore, he would go to the house of bread and share with his father's flock. It was the birthplace 
of our Master and our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeshua was born in Bethlehem. He was the bread and the life that was given to us by the Father. Matter of fact, in John 6 and verse 35, Jesus himself says, I am the bread of life. Jesus said to them, No one who will come to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. We as David need to be bringing forth and carrying the good news that there is hope when the world shouts there is no hope. We need to be carrying forth from the Father to the people of the world, the lost and dying world, that there is good news when the world says it's only bad. When there are shouts and cries that we need to give up and turn around, there is nothing to eat and nothing to drink. We need to be the ones that are carrying the good news gospel that God's Son is still on the throne. He still saves and He still lives for us today. We need to bring the good news to the world. In the past few weeks, we've seen people searching and hunting for supplies. Many pleas on social media for supplies. Pictures posted of people holding up a loaf of bread and smiling. Stories and reports of people crying and just begging to have supplies. But Jesus said He is the bread for all life. And for all those who hunger that will be satisfied will be brought by His broken body. Matthew 26 and 26 says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to His disciples, and said, Take and eat, this is My body. In Isaiah 53 and verse 5 it says, But He was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities, Punishment for our peace was upon Him, and we are healed by His wounds. But as the people today search for answers, and they search for the relief that they have been longing for so long, they are turning to the world to find it when we need to be carrying them the good news gospel. We need to be going back and forth from the Father to the world, renewed strength, renewed faith, renewed hope, renewed spirit, to share the love with the lost and dying world. But we need to forsake the world's answers and turn to God's answers. The church today needs to, however we can, be going back and forth from the Father's house to the world, taking that good news, that bread of life and that life-giving water to those that are lost and dying. Those that are hurting, those that are in fear, those that don't know the next step. I've thought about this many times in this past week, especially, and and before anybody starts saying anything, this sermon series was lined out before this virus hit. Isn't it amazing how God lines up His Word? Matter of fact, last night as I was sitting in the office back there and I was going through things and I had YouTube on and was just listening to some music and some words and it all of a sudden Billy Graham come on. 
And Billy Graham started talking about God's Word. And he said, if you want to see God's Word live out in plain sight in front of you and come alive, take a Bible and lay it on your left side and open it to the book of Daniel. Take another Bible and open it up on your right side to the book of Revelation. And then turn around and lay a newspaper of the world's activities right straight in front of you. And you'll see the correlation between all three. The world needs to know that the first thing off is God is our Father. And we need to tell the world that He is still willing and able to save. To save us from our own fears, our own doubts. He's willing to save us from our own sins and our transgressions. And that He... He is here. That He is wherever we're at. There He will be also. I often joke about my wife will not get on a plane because she literally in God's Word where it says, Lo, I am with you always. And she will not get on the plane of any kind, any size. But God's Word is very plain about that. That, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Instead of giving our our opinions and our concepts, we need to be going to the Father, getting strength, getting direction, getting the life-staining, life-altering, and most of all, life-giving sources from Him and carrying it back to a lost and dying world. But we've forgotten that our God is our Father. We have forgotten that our God is willing. And we have forgotten that Jehovah is there for His beloved. Because why? Because fear is a liar. Because fear tells us that we don't stand a chance. We don't have any hope. But God says, everything that I have, I give unto you. And His firstborn, His firstborn, His only begotten Son, Jesus, died on a cross for you and I. Body was broken and and, and torn and ripped for you and I. Placed in a grave that should have been ours. Tormented. Fought temptation, fought evil but lived a good life that you and I could go free. And so we need to be running back and forth between the world and the Father and getting this life-giving sources to share with them the good news. The good news that the world says you are worthless, but God says you are worth it all. When the world says, you don't stand a chance, God said, but I gave you the chance. And when the world says, there is no hope, God says, but I am your hope.
Today, what are you going back and forth between? Are you going back and forth between the world? Are you going back and forth between the Lord and the world? Today, there is but one answer. And that answer is Jesus. Father, we thank you for your your word that you've given us today. We thank you for your hope. We thank you for your peace. Father, as the world goes back and forth between telling us how bad things are and how condemned we are and how far away we're going to be, Lord, you tell us that you're right there with us every step of the way. Father, this morning we, we honor you with our praise. We honor you with our words. And Father, we believe and we trust in you with all of our might. That Father, we can go back and forth from the throne room of God to our family, our friends, our neighbors, our community, our county, our state, our world. And Father, share the good news gospel. Father, today... We see so many people that are hurting. We know the news that has spread and, Father, the things that are happening. But, Lord, this morning we want to share with the the world a new hope, a new joy. But we can't do it sitting where we're at. But we can't do it not believing. But we can't do it not going but we can't do it not telling but Father through your strength and through your love and through your encouragement through our belief in you we can go to a lost and dying world and share this story with them Father today if there's someone that's watching by the internet social media, listening to the podcast. Lord, let them come to you today, Lord. Let them bring their sorrow, their heartaches, and their burdens and trade them for peace and joy and happiness. Lord, if there's one here in person today, Father, that has suffered in their life and in their heart this week, Father, maybe they're going through some challenging times every day. Lord, let them come and find the assurance and the peace in your heart and in in their heart from your life through your son, Jesus. But Father, whatever we do today, let us be the ones that goes and proclaims the good news to a lost and dying world. Father, as we begin the time of invitation and a time of of reflection and a time of prayer. Father, if there's one that does not know you as their Savior, I ask that they would pray this prayer this morning. Father, forgive me, for I have sinned against you. Father, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and Savior. 
Father, I want to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. To be called a child of the King. Father, if there's one that's hurting this morning because they're uncertain about tomorrow. Some of them may even be uncertain about this afternoon. Father, I ask that they pray this prayer. Lord, come renew unto me the joy of my salvation. Wash away my iniquities and bring me back. Father, that I would be, Father, with you. Because you are my Father. And I'm willing to be your servant and your child. And you are here with me always. Father, maybe there are those that are just afraid and they've never gone and they've never been and they never went. They feel that they're led to. Father, let us pray this prayer that we find in your word. Father, here am I, send me. Place the coal upon my lips that you would remove from me the iniquity and the, and the selfishness and my words. And that, Father, your words would be the words that come forth. And come out. Father this morning. Whatever we need to do. Let us do it in the name of your son Jesus Christ. Father the firstborn of your sons. The firstborn. Because we've all become adopted into the family. And into the kingdom. Father your one and only son Jesus. Gives us all the hope that we need. Because as he hung on the cross, he remembered that you were his father. And he hung there willingly, and he knew you were right there with him. Father, let us have that peace in our hearts and our lives today, Lord. So, Father, whatever needs to be done, wherever anyone is, Lord, let this be the day and the hour that it's done. Father, we'll give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for it all. For in your son's name we pray. Amen.